Good morning, church. For those of you that may not know me, my name is Dan Astudo, and I have the privilege of serving as executive pastor here. And I've been here last week. We just celebrated 15 years on staff at Greece Assembly. So time flies when you're having fun. It's been quite the journey. It's been a privilege to serve alongside Pastor Pat. And one of the things I'm blessed with being on this team is there's a lot of longevity. Uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, and it's kind of crazy, the statistics of um, staff people. They say youth pastors, an average youth pastor is 18 months on staff. It's like a year and a half. It's like when you're just getting to know people, you go. Um, so we have, you know, just uh, a blessing opportunity to serve together. I know Bob celebrated, you know, 11 years, so we're, we're thrilled to be serving here on staff, and we're going to continue our Easter message series this morning entitled, God is Working. Today is part two of a three-part series, as Pastor shared. Next week, he'll be concluding the series, God is For You. If you weren't here last week, Pastor Bob opened the series by sharing how God is real. How many of you believe God is real? God is real. He talked about how you can't have creation without a creator, right? Can't have design without a designer. Can't have order without an orderer, if that's such a word. But you, something can't come from nothing. And it really takes more faith to not believe in a creator than it does to believe that our bodies and the DNA and so forth. And if you missed last week, you can go on our website. All of our messages are on our website, and you could um, catch up on the series as well. But we're going to continue today with God is working. Would you bow your heads and hearts with me as we look to the Lord in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, it's a privilege to be here in your house to worship you to lift up your name, and God, now to open your word and to um, continue this time of worship and hearing from you. And God, I just pray that these next few moments, that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight, Lord, that you would speak to me and through me. Father, that all of our hearts would be open and receptive to what you want to say to each and every one of us. Lord, we commit this time to you. We thank you in advance for what you're going to do. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, if you could turn to Philippians chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew there in front of you. Going to be going to Philippians 1. It's page 620 in the pew Bible there. Philippians 1. I'm just going to read the first six verses today. Actually, after Easter, we're going to be um, doing a message series through the book of Philippians. So I'm not going to dive too deep here with the text, um, but we're going to be going through the book of Philippians as a church body in the month of May and so forth. So um, looking forward to that as well. But today we're going to read from Philippians 1, verses 1 through 6. It says here, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints... In Christ Jesus. So he's talking to the believers in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, all with what? Joy. Joy. Understand this. Paul is writing this in prison. 
And he's talking right at the beginning as he's writing this letter of this joy that he has. And again, we'll be diving deeper with this in weeks to come. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, then verse 6 I want to highlight, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Church, Paul is writing here to the church in Philippi, and with thanksgiving, clearly in his heart, he expresses that he is confident that God will complete the work with which he began in them. And I believe here Paul is referring to the work of salvation that had taken place in their lives. Charles Spurgeon, I don't know if we have uh, the quote from Charles Spurgeon up there on the screen, but he once said this, God is a worker who completes his works. For is there an instance of God's beginning any work and leaving it incomplete? Show me for once a world abandoned and thrown aside, half-formed. Show me a universe cast off from the great potter's wheel with the design and outline, the cloth half-hardened, and the form unshapely from incompleteness. God is a worker who completes his work. The question is, has he begun a work in you today? I love what Warren Wiersbe says, and it's there in your outlines. If you have outlines there, it's there in the notes. He talks about how salvation includes a threefold work. Number one, the work God does for us. Write the word salvation. That's what God does for us, salvation. The work God does in us, sanctification. And then the work God does through us, service. You see, for the believer, God is working and will continue to work in our life until we see Christ and the work is fulfilled. 1 John 3, verse 2, it says, We shall be like him, meaning Jesus, for we shall see him as he is. What is God desiring to do in our lives here on earth? What does God want to do with your life and with my life for believers here today? Simply this, church. God wants us while we're here on earth. He wants to conform us and to make us more like Jesus. Romans 8 verse 29 says this. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Can I ask you here today, are you becoming more like Jesus? Are you more like Jesus today than you were a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago? Something that we should be asking ourselves on a regular basis. I believe God has put three words on my heart this week to drop into your hearts today and give you, and if you have outlines, number one is simply this, the word recognize. Write that down, recognize. It's my prayer that God's people will recognize here today that God is working. What is an evidence that we are recognizing God is working? What's an evidence that we are recognizing God is working? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18 says this. Be thankful in all, say all, all circumstances. He goes on to say, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. 
As a student pastor for eight years here, often I would get asked, what is God's will for my life? Pastor Dan, all I want to know is God's will for my life. And, you know, part of that is written very clear in black and white in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. Very short verses, but the Apostle Paul wrote, rejoice always or be joyful always, pray without ceasing. And then verse 18 here is, give thanks in all circumstances or be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, the question is, okay, you don't understand the circumstance I'm in. It doesn't say be thankful for, but in. We all go through circumstances, No matter what circumstance you're in, we have reason to give thanks. Why? Because with pastor shared. Because Jesus is alive. Because Jesus has saved our souls. So we have to pause. Church, we are to be the most thankful people on the planet. Amen? Absolutely. Now, I'm not belittling any circumstance you may be in any difficulty you may be faced with today, but I can tell you, hear me out, that no matter what you and I are going through, we can and should always thank God. I said this years ago, that if God never does another thing for us here on earth, he's done enough. If for some reason we don't get out of debt or we can't do this or we can't be healed or we're not healed or whatever it is, God has done enough. You see, to be absent from the body as a believer is what? To be present with the Lord. Is that a win-win situation? Absolutely. We have to remember that here today. So we need to recognize that we as God's people ought to be the most thankful people. We have to recognize God is working. And a great reflection that he is working is when we give thanks in all circumstances. Because, you see, that's not going to be a testimony to someone watching our lives if everything's honky-dory. How, how is the radar going to go up? How are they going to detect that there's something different in you if you're smiling and thankful because you're driving whatever you want, living however you want and do? No, what's going to get their attention is when tragedy hits and you give thanks to God and you give glory to God. That's what's going to speak volumes to an unsaved world. Give thanks. On your outlines there next to recognize, just put thank him. Thank him. Number two word I want to drop in your heart is respond. And next to that word, write, trust him. Trust him. When I say trust God, listen to me here today. It's not trust God if or trust God when. It's trust God, period. Trust God, exclamation point. The Bible says in Psalm 62, verse 8, there in your notes. Trust in him when? At all times. And in the New King James, it says, you people. My grandfather passed away this past year. My last grandparent went home to be with the Lord several months ago. And he, every time we visited him in Brooklyn, 
I mean, even if he was just being himself, we would just laugh. <laughs> he was just funny the way he conducted himself. But when I was reading this this week, you know, you people, it, it kind of brought me back to my, you know, Brooklyn days and my Italian family, you know. What's the matter with you people? You know, that's what I'd hear from time to time. And I just thought of my grandfather. And not that God has that, you know, attitude or I don't think he's Italian or anything. But, um, but it says here, Trust in him at all times, you people. Now, it doesn't just, but come on. We need to trust God. We need to trust God. Now, some of you may have heard me share this story. I think this season at Upward, I've shared it a couple times of a situation that uh, my family went through about six years ago. I was asking Emily this morning. Um, she said she's about 10 years old, so it's about six or seven years ago, but she was um, outside with a friend riding bikes, and a friend and myself were working, uh, doing a project on my house, and we had to run to the store to pick up something. So as we were leaving our neighborhood, uh, my daughter and her friend, as they were riding bikes, they kind of you know, followed us um, out to the end of the street and waving and so forth, and we went. Home Depot got what we had to do. We were gone about a half hour or so, And little did I know, that last half hour or so, a lot had happened at my house. And try to make a long story short, as I was leaving the neighborhood and Emily was waving goodbye, she went to turn uh, her bike around and turn the wheel, I guess too much, but anyway, fell off her bike. And the uh, handlebar went into her side. All this is happening. Of course, you know, six years ago, I wasn't carrying my cell phone like I do today, I guess. So no one got a hold of me. We just come back ready to keep working. And my wife says, you know, Emily fell off her bike. She's been crying since you left and so forth. So I'm like, okay, I go upstairs. And you have to understand, I'm a father of three girls, okay? So there's, you know, emotions from time to time in my house crying, happy, down, sometimes up and down in three seconds or less. I mean, it's just, so I wasn't sure exactly, but I remember, I remember going into her bedroom and, you know, she was curled up and, you know, not crying too much, but just sore and, you know, I, I was pushing on her stomach and thought maybe she had fractured a rib and so forth. So we, I, you know, as dumb as we are sometimes as parents, you know, you know, have a grilled cheese sandwich, drink some water. I mean, I'm thinking, you, you, you'll be all right, you know? And um, we end up in the hospital. The pain wasn't going away. We're up at Park Ridge, and the doctor comes in and says, um, we need to move your daughter to Strong. We're, there's a little bit of concern. And I'm like, whoa, what do you mean, Strong? And I can see my, my wife, her lip starts quivering. I'm like, oh, no. And, um, you know, they said, well, the, the test that we took, she actually, her liver tore in half. And, and at that moment, church, as a father, I had to decide, okay, this is out of my control. See, as parents, we like it when we're in control, Right. You know, you, you give out the discipline. You say, okay, you got to do this. You got to do that. But at that moment, see, God allows circumstances in our lives, even as pastors and parents or whatever title you got, to let you know, listen, you are not always in control. 
A phone call could come today and you realize I'm not in control. Doesn't matter how much money's in your bank. Doesn't matter how healthy you are. In a moment, you could find out I'm not healthy or I don't have what I think I have. And in that moment at Park Ridge, I just remember having to make a decision. God, I have to trust you here. Because the way that the report came was, this is very serious. When I heard Liverpool and they said there's two vessels and we can clearly see that it's together. The good news is the liver re- rejuvenates itself, but we can't deal with this here. We want to move her to strong. So, you know, and thank God, you know, God ministered his healing touch to her and she's healthy and whole here today. But I share that story, church, with you to know that we must decide in times like that, are we going to trust God or not? You see, there's this familiar verse, almost all of you have heard it, Romans 8.28, we quote it a lot, maybe on your wall and in your home. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation, but it says this, we know that God causes everything, someone say everything, everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. I want to ask you, and I'm not being lighthearted here, but do you really believe this verse? Do you really believe, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good to those who love him? Because I can tell you here today as a believer, I can guarantee you that at some point in your journey, you're going to face this in your life just like I faced it on that day, and I faced it several times since. Do I trust him? Or am I, I was listening to a testimony the other day, and a guy was just saying, you know what? I realized that my trust was so conditional. I trust you, God, if. It was like he was playing deals with God. The Bible, we don't play deals with God. You either trust him or you don't. End of story. If you're not sure, then ask God to give you the grace and the faith today to trust him. Some of you are faced with something today. You come in here heavy-hearted, your mind is wandering, and you have to decide, am I going to trust him? And you're going to have that opportunity right now to say, yes, I'm going to trust you. You see, God and his goodness and his grace... The Bible says in Philippians 2, and you could turn there, you're in one, just look over a page. There's this passage. Again, we'll dive into this deeper in weeks to come. But in Philippians 2, verses 12 through 14, in the New Living Translation, it says, Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is what? Working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing. God is working in you. Do you have a desire? Do you think you have the power to live for God? Absolutely. This is what God's word is saying. You see, it's simply this, church. What God works in, he wants us to work out. 
What God works in, he wants us to work out. If you have a desire to live for God, that's the Holy Spirit that gives you that desire. If you're here today and everything's going in one ear and out the other, you could care less. You're making someone happy by uh, being here today. But if you have a desire to live for God, that's the Holy Spirit. Because the devil doesn't want you to live for God. So you say, God, as you work in this desire here, help me to carry out. You know, there's this old song. The staff makes fun of me because once in a while they ask for a closing song. And all the songs they say that I bring up are like 30 or more years older. I grew up in church. So trust and obey. You know, they're like, we can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean you can't? Or you can't. But there's these songs. I love them because they're so simple. Like I remember them 30, 40 years later. There's not you know, 5,000 verses and choruses. There's like, you know, five lines in the whole thing. And I can easily remember them. But they were simple, deep theological songs. And trust and obey is really what our walk comes down to. There's no other way to truly be happy in Jesus. It's biblical. But to trust and obey. And, you know, one pastor, I, I love what he said in regards to our circumstances. And referring to Romans eight twenty eight, he said, You know, you are not going to always understand your circumstances. There's going to be many things that will happen to you of which, though you do your best, you're not going to be able to understand it or figure it out. And when you come against that which you can't understand, it is important that you have certain foundations that you do understand and you fall back on those foundations. What do I understand? I understand that God loves me. How many know that God loves you? I understand that God loves me. How do I know that? The Bible tells me so. I understand that God is wiser than I am. I understand that God is in control of all circumstances that surround my life. Thus, anything that happens to me only happens to me because God has allowed it to happen to me. It could not happen to me unless God did allow it to happen to me and God loves me and is working out what is best for me. Thus, I can rest in the most uncomfortable places. I rest in faith that God is even going to use this for my good and his glory. Isn't that beautiful? That's a beautiful commentary, I guess, of that verse. You know, uh, you've heard me say this before. There's one word that God never says from heaven. Anybody remember? Oops. Real spiritual. I can guarantee you God never in heaven goes, oops. Didn't mean for that to happen. No, everything, everything that happens in our lives, if we're, again, this is to the saints. This is to believers. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, God allows. You see, Satan tempts us to bring out the worst in us, tempts us, and wants us to snap and do something that we're going to regret. But God allows tests in our lives to mature us, to bring out the best for his honor and glory. See, it's not Paul's love through Christ that this love that he had is God's love through Paul, Romans 5, 5. It's the love of God that comes from him. And you and I are vessels of honor and love that God should flow through that minister to people. It's not something that we conjure up. We're a real loving person. Pastor Pat is a very loving man. Well, he is a godly man that the love of God flows through and that love flows through others. 
It's Christ's love in us. Paul said it's Christ's love that compels me, this love that only God can give, this agape. Luke 3 verse 8 says, prove by the way that you live that you've truly repented, you've turned from God. Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned from God. This last word I want to give you, and before I close here today, is the word rest. Write that down, rest. You see, as we thank God, as we trust God, I truly believe, and the Bible says that we can rest in God. And Psalm says it there in your outlines, 37 verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I believe one of the greatest expressions of faith in God is to rest. Now, I'm not just talking about a rest from work. I'm talking about a rest in work. You with me? It's not this. There's never, um, we're never encouraged in the scriptures to be lazy and to just do nothing. No, we just read several scriptures. We're to work, be diligent, right? But there's a rest that God, Hebrews 4 talks about this rest and so forth. And we have to realize that the devil in this world wants to do everything that they can to keep us from trusting God and resting in him. Let me ask you, do you want stress or rest in your life? I mean, most people will say, I just love stress. I love it. I mean, I snap, I yell at people, I curse when I'm stressed. It's great. No. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we want rest. But listen, some of us are making stupid decisions, if I could be so blunt, that lead to so much stress And we're missing out on the rest that God wants us to live and walk in, the rest of God. Let me ask you, what's more important to you? And don't be so quick to answer, image or rest? For many people, it's image. They'll take the stress to, 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 to work their tail off to drive that car or to live in that house or to have their kids playing and everything. Because they just, they got to keep up with the Joneses. And, and, and at the same time, their stress level is through the roof. There's no rest. There's no rest. We've been reading a book entitled, How's Your Soul? by uh, a pastor, Judah Smith, as a staff. And I just wanted to read a portion um, the author talks about this rest that I thought was really good as I prepare to close here. He says this, a restless soul is a soul that thinks it is in control and needs to take care of everything. If we do not rest, we are trying to be our own God. We have to remember that even when we rest, God does not. When we sleep, God does not. And when we cease working, God does not. Do you know where worry comes from? from thinking we are in control. True rest is unattainable for people who are obsessed with leading their own lives. But rest is one of the primary postures of those who know Jesus because we have a God who is in control and who is taking care of us. Do you believe that? Do you believe God is in control 
and he's taking care of you. Psalm 127 uh, verses 1 and 2 describes how useless it is to overburden ourselves with the cares and concerns of life. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in what? Vain. We're familiar with that. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. It's God's word. Listen, if you're here today and your soul is restless, come to Jesus. Matthew 11, 28 and 29, the last couple of verses I want to share with you. Jesus says this, come to me. He invites us, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Let who teach you? God, teach us. Church, there's so many, including this book I quoted from. These books, they're helpful and good, but most of these self-help, or or not self-help, but Christian books, they're to inform us, but it's only God's word that transforms us. Books inform, God's word transforms, and we need to be in God's word. We need to be at the feet of Jesus because he is humble and gentle in heart. You won't feel crushed. You won't feel condemned when you come to him. You may feel conviction, and that's a good thing. You see, condemnation drives us further from God. We feel condemned. We can't come. But conviction says, oh, I need you. I I can't go this way anymore. I need you. Maybe you're being convicted here today. Come to God. Come to Jesus. And he says there that he, you will find rest for your souls. So maybe you're here today. And you know deep in your heart God is working. You believe Romans 8, 28, that he works all things, everything together for good. But see, that's conditional. It says to those who what? Love God. You see, everybody out there, that's not, God's working in their lives is when we pray and when we witness, God's working on the outward trying to get in. But it's, we have to let God in. And when you do, and you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can know that he is going to work in you. That desire and that power that you have to honor him, that's God working in you. And then you work out what he's doing. God is a faithful God. As I close today, it's important that everyone understands this. God is real. Satan is real. God is working. The devil is working. But the difference, which we're going to hear next week, is God is for you. The devil is not for you. Church, it's so important that we understand this. God is working right now. I believe it. The question is, will we recognize it? Our attitudes, are we giving thanks in all circumstances? Will we respond to him by trusting him? And thirdly, will we rest in him? The choice is ours, church. God is working. I want to close with Psalms 121, 
It's not on your outlines. That's the references there. But I want to read this to you in the New Living Translation. Perhaps maybe you could close your eyes and just focus and let God's word minister to you as we prepare to enter into a time of worship and response to God's word. The psalmist writes this. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forevermore. Do you believe that, church? God is working. God is doing great things. And he desires to continue to do great things in you. The work that he's begun in you, he is going to carry it out. But in his love and his goodness, he gives us a choice. You and I have a choice here today. And that choice is to say, God, have your way. I trust you. God, I don't understand why this person is doing that or why, why this is happening to me. I, I, I can't understand. I prayed years for this, God. I don't understand this. But God, I do know you love me. I believe that you love me. There's no greater way that you've shown that by giving your life for me. God, I need you. I've left a few minutes here at the conclusion to respond to God, whether you choose to come to the front altar to be prayed for by one of the pastors or you just in the quietness of your heart as the worship team leads us, respond to him. But if you're here today and you have not yet given your life to Jesus Christ, maybe you've heard God is real, God is working, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, but you have yet to truly trust in him and say, God, I give you my life. I give you my life. I'm not going to try to save myself. I recognize I can't save myself. I have fallen short. I need your forgiveness. I encourage you, see me after the service today. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you a Bible. There's nothing more important than your eternal salvation. But as we stand together and worship the Lord here today, I want to take a few minutes to just open the front for us to respond to God's word and allow him to do a work in this place and seal the work that he's already begun in our hearts. Let's stand together and worship the Lord through this chorus.